How long gone, uh, Jason? The sun is set here in beautiful Denmark, uh, and I am just kind of here by the Villa Copenhagen window, staring out into the garden, ready to chat with you. <laughs> how, how are you feeling? Well, I'm I'm glad you finally doxed your location. <laughs> uh, I woke up to a rainy morning. It's raining, and it's cold and gray. The dogs don't know where to shit. Speaking of dogs, uh, I just want to kind of that was a that was a Chloe Sevigny segue, <laughs> a Chloe Segan way. I, I want I want to yeah I want to talk about how Chloe Sevigny is a is team Chris when it comes to dogs. She told Rolling Stone that there's too many dogs and they and that that people got to stop walking. The the athleisure and the dogs are taking over, and that's really unfortunate. Everyone's in Lululemon has a fucking dog, and it's driving me crazy. I'm really so I'm sorry, dog lovers. There are too many of you. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I couldn't. I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. She has a bigger platform, so I'm glad that she's able to spread our message to the to the well wider audience. I mean, I I hate to say that you have said it better yourself, maybe <laughs> hundreds of times. <laughs> And it's sort of the backbone of our program as well as my revenue <laughs> stream. Uh, uh, sure, so sure, sure. Do you don't you don't feel any like oh wait you can so you just get to show up and do this now you know what I mean it's like it's like Travis Barker's son just gets to show up and have a career now it's kind of like that oh now you hate dogs great I've been I've been I've been beasting in the underground of dog hating for years I'm an I'm an OG of hating dogs and i i want to say yeah i i want to know if sorry and i'll let you speak sorry sway i'll let you speak but if if chloe Sevigny gets to become mother for one little sentence in rolling stone magazine however many issues they've got left how come you don't get to be anointed as a father of some sort it's 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 an interesting question that you pose and for me jason i'm looking at this more as a like i said a victory for our community we're small but mighty and I think the more vocal that some of our higher profile members can be, mm-hmm. the the more our message will spread. And hopefully it'll give kind of confidence to the weak, those unafraid to share, those, those afraid to okay. open up. And I, I think that's how I'm looking at it. I think that is a dope attitude. It kind of has a r- rising tide, euthanizes all dogs kind of energy. <laughs> you know, we're all on the right. same team. We're not doing it for credit. Yeah. We're doing it to get this thing done. Yeah. Uh, and but I, I, you said it is a small, tight knit community. Obviously, it's not something that people want to scream from the rooftops. I hate lovable dogs. You know, a lot of people are going to be pissed off by that. At a certain point, there, there's a tipping point where it's like, guys, we we have to do something. It's very similar to the the trajectory of of uh congressman fetterman's clothing <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The t- with the with the release <laughs> of his t-shirt t- t- tuxedo <laughs> hoodie with his dicky shorts a lot of people are like you know All what? Right, it bro. Was cool. like <laughs> the wall is here this i have to say something and i i don't disagree what do you think no i, I would i think that's a great i think that's a great example i mean that's one of the beautiful things about being here in copenhagen I've saw, I saw one dog the entire time I was here, and and that is just you don't realize how nice that is until you experience it. Yeah, and that dog has better health care than I do. Oh, hundred percent. That dog gets paid to have children. You know, it's a different. <laughs> it's a really. It's a cra- It's a cra- It's a crazy situation <laughs> over here. It's a crazy situation over here. Yeah, I tried that over in Copenhagen. They didn't want my sperm. The, the, 
<laughs> you tried to have sex with a dog, or you're saying you tried to have a? I'm trying. I'm confused. I know you love dogs, but let's draw the lines. I too am confused. You, you said they got paid to have babies. It was just a sperm bank joke. Oh, I see. I see. I, I also need to correct something that many of you uh, were happy to point out to me that I, I, when we were talking about Valley Girl, obviously the singer is Jesse Rutherford from the neighborhood, not Jesse Lacey from Brand New. I apologize for that mistake. All of you brand new dorks, please leave me alone. There's nothing less cool than being like a brand new apologist to me for some reason, even though I, I, you know, they're not bad. They're no taking back Sunday, but you know, they do what they can. I've, yeah, I've, I've never listened to that band, but um, I, I but. wanted to, I went to a show yesterday, um, for a brand called MF pen that, that like I, I wrote about a while ago and I'm, RIP. I'm buddies, I'm buddies with, with Sig, the, the owner and I went, I was taking some flicks beforehand. So I was there for the walkthrough and it, he was, pl- it, the show was Black Flag X and Fugazi. Okay. Was the music. And I was just so excited to not hear some weird techno or an orchestra playing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I mean, I, you I think, love Black Flag. So this must have been dope for you. I mean, I just think that the, I think the punk spirit is actually adds some uh, much needed like spice to a fashion show, which is normally kind of boring and overly dramatic. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to make fun of you first or where. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like I showed up wearing a tuxedo hoodie. <laughs> I feel like I'm Conor McGregor, and you've left your face, chest, arms, no, please stomach, go ahead, legs, all, ear, all open for for attack. I, I think you have this opinion just because you would rather hear music with guitars instead of, you know, this techno bleep bloop crap. Well, of course, of course, of course. But I think that historically, I haven't been to a thousand fashion shows, but I've been to quite a lot. And like, oftentimes the music is is bad and it's it's really labored over and thought about, but it's oftentimes not Oftentimes cool. you don't like the music. No, no, it, I could say, I think I can say bad. I'm, I feel comfortable saying bad. Sometimes I don't like it, sometimes <laughs> it's bad. Let's put it that way. So you, you mentioned that the maybe the labored over other types of music that you would normally hear are lacking, you know, like Arca is doing a thing or something like that, and that is lacking spice. I mean, but you do like the spice brought to you by Ian McKay. Well, the spice of Black Flag is different because it, it's it's these people don't know what to make of it. They know what to make of some weird Arca stuff. I think that's more common, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think so I think it, it puts it, it hits them off guard when yeah. they're here sitting in the waiting room. Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I think when the baseline <laughs> kicks in, the staff from Elle and Marie Claire look around and get scared. You know what I mean? It's a different it, it's, it's did, did they bring was Marie Claire front row at this? I didn't know they still had juice like that. No, I don't know if Marie Claire was there. I was just I was just pulling that out of my ass. But yeah, that that is I, I think that's part of it. I know it. what Isn't you it, mean. It is in a, in a sea of wouldn't it be random if we played like techno music at this fashion show? It, it I guess it is a nice divergence to zig instead of zag. And something as I guess nowadays in 2024, I, I guess I think of Black Flag and Fugazi and all these bands. When you see them now and how they're just these shells of their punk rock original self it makes me like it, it piques my not my interest but it, it puts me on guard because i'm like what can i do to avoid becoming yeah, no, this? No, because I john agree. like 
John Fetterman looks like any member of Fugazi now. No, hundred. Well, they're they're a little thinner. Thank God they take care of them. The vegan diet will do that. But yes, I I agree that it, that is part of my Fetterman issue is that he does look like a guy that would be at the unbroken reunion in the front row. Easy because he Easy. took he took a weekend off from his union plumbing job to head down to Orange County. Um, but I do think that the it must be a strange thing with with some of these bands, especially the ones we're talking about, because they I mean. They peaked when they were 22. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're the highlight of your life is something that you kind of can dine out on forever. And it's, you know, usually one record or two records when you were very young. So I think it does fuck up your your mind a little bit. We're, we're gonna put we're gonna put dining out in big air quotes. I would say. Well, I mean, you can you can it changes the trajectory of your life. You can choose sure. you can choose to be like I'm just gonna go get a job and it was cool to be in this band, or you can kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. make a career out of it if you would like to. I was a contender. Yeah, not not a even though I have to dine out at Jack in a Box. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not well paying. <laughs> I just mean you can put it you can put it together. Something to tell the ex grandkids ex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what i'm thinking jason exactly what i'm okay, thinking good uh, good but yeah it was i i just i wanted to talk about that with you because i didn't want to offend the techno community but i just thought it was a nice change no it's fine i get it did you see the the ghani show no they they didn't they didn't have a show this this season show. no what why does copenhagen have two fashion fashion weeks two different seasons no, i understand that but like you know, Copenhagen in January. It's honestly nicer than we were when we were here. <laughs> so really, yeah. I mean, it's cold, but it's like the sun is out. Like you put a jacket and a hat on, you're kind of good. Some fucking bullshit. It's not honestly. I it's it's really. I don't mind it. Like obviously, it's not like it's kind of windy, which I don't love. But luckily, I'm not riding a bike, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to get blown into traffic. I mean, I guess I'm 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 happy for I'm happy for Copenhagen that their fashion world is large enough where they can warrant more than one fashion week per year that's because not every city gets that right no they do i mean the ones that do it yeah like paris milan london well, yeah i'm talking about los angeles oh lo fashion. <laughs> oh <lo> <laughs> i'm sorry you gotta you gotta i don't know if los angeles gets one and let's not overlook jason my favorite of all of the global fashion weeks miami swim week yeah we know which is kind of focused strictly on swimwear it's 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 like you know, it's not about the fabric of construction. It's about something else, which I think is an interesting way to kind of approach it. Yeah. It's about mm, human trafficking. <laughs> it, it's not. It's look, it's it's like winter music conference with good looking people. You know, I think that's what I think that's kind of to, to best explain it to you. OK, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was just a youngster coming up and you would hear lore of Miami Swim Week and it, it feel it feels almost like. That's a time like a, a time of entourage where like, yeah I was gonna say it feels like an entourage like when like when sex tourism was still okay <laughs> when you, you know could still mean? take when you could still take a nice scouting trip to a, a smaller yeah, city and kind of when you would have things like scouting trips <laughs> which yeah. just means I want to go look at girls in bikini I mean I don't I I think it was I think it, I I've never been obviously but I think it's it's kind of legitimate like I think it might actually do business. You know what I mean? So that makes it even more sure, twisted. Sure, sure, Yeah, I mean, the Consumer Electronics yeah, true. Uh, CES in Vegas, I'm sure that real business happens there. More there than maybe any other conference in in, in Vegas. About CES, the nerds with money, they're, they're fucking more than these dentists from Minneapolis. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we do have a guest. And on, and on that wonderful note, <laughs> we have a... 
we have a guest. We have a guest today. Uh, Laura Snapes is joining us from beautiful London. She's the Guardian uh, deputy music editor. We're gonna chat with her about a, a ton of things, obviously, but also a little Grammy preview, Jason, because I'm missing the awards, obviously, because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in Europe still. So I needed to get mm. I needed to get some information from an expert, kind of some predictions. How many awards can Olivia Rodrigo win, and how many can SZA lose? Let's get into it. Well, also, I need to talk to her about my famous Brit Brits Awards. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, Speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes. Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries mamma mia for a limited time home chef is offering my listeners our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long that's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert <laughs> How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. Thanks for joining us. First and foremost, I'd like to talk about bangs. Because you have an iconic bang, and I feel mm -hmm. like that's a that's a, often a big choice or a big change. Is this something you've had for a long time? Where do you get off having a bang like that, Laura? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I was always made to have one when I was a little kid. And then as soon as I was a teenager and could choose my own hair, I wanted to grow it out. And I had these horrible, like stringy bits down the side of my face because it was like 2002. Mm. And then when I got older, I realized that my mother was right and I have a huge forehead and I needed to get a fringe. Okay, Okay, so the fringe is, there's a purpose for this fringe. You think it's not stylistic. (laughs) Quite big. (laughs) I don't think think you have a five head. I don't think it's that crazy, but it could be the zoom warping it. Pardon my... Lack of intelligence. Is there a difference between bangs and a fringe, or is that the same thing? I think it's the same thing. I'm not super up on hairdresser lingo. Okay. And when and when you say um, when you say stringy bits, is that sort of like an orthodox uh, acidic <laughs> kind of kind of vibe, or is it a little more flat ironed and a little more electro clashy? Very flat ironed. Sadly, not electro clash. Very much of the era, it was like it matched um, eyebrows, where you had literally like one eyebrow hair going along. I think the look was like thin flatness. Like <laughs> at, at break time, at lunchtime every day at school, everybody would have their hair straighteners out, hair straight, straightening their hair again, having only done it two hours before, worried about frizz, which was the plague of British teenagers in two thousand and two. <laughs> we had a big frizz issue, so everyone would bring a flat iron in their backpack to school and then was it a mad dash for electrical outlets or was was there a generator brought in where children could all plug in or did we have maybe a portable bluetooth flat iron i think this is pre-bluetooth i think this is the early Mm. days of ghds i never had any and i also wasn't that into the hair straightening apart from the stringy bits um Mm -hmm. but yeah like i don't know what you call it but we call it like break time and it would just be a sort of parade of like everybody getting to have a go um but yeah if you got rained on or if you had to do sports you had to do it again wow that's I mean everybody has a go. That's a that's a commitment, Jason. I think for the record, I think fringe is just the more charming British way to say bangs. As usual, they've yeah. they've done it better than us. Um, but I, I think it is it's globally recognized as well. I, I I I was familiar with the word, but I just wanted to quadruple check in case there were any slight differences. But yeah, bangs comes out a little. Yeah. Fringe is much nice. It's more pleasant to say. I would agree with that 100%. I guess, you know, there's the possibility for confusion of, you know, your, your cowboy outfit fringe style thing. But of, yeah. of, of course, of or, course. Orville Peck is going <laughs> to have a tough time listening to this episode. <laughs> Maybe less. That's what you're less saying? Less in the UK. <laughs> well, actually, you know, speaking of, of fringe and suede jackets and Orville Peck, um, what do you think it's going to take for country music to cross over in the UK? Oh God. I mean, they try, there's the country to country festival in London and like big country stars can play like one night at the O2, but then they're not playing the rest of the country. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a snobbery. We will never get over. Like there are some people who get a pass like Dolly Parton, but I think it's, sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think it makes sense to people. She's been grandmothered in. Well, it's funny. It's, it's funny. Country music is 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 our football. Like we will soccer will never happen in this country and you guys will never have you guys will never accept country music which is you know you know as an as an expert as someone who who writes about music professionally country music is is the only hope we have left for real songs. You know they got a structure, there's a bridge, there's a chorus, there's a pre-chorus. It works. And it's catchier than almost. It's basically pop music with more twang. If you really break it down, no, it's it's pop music with black people removed. Yeah, that, I mean that also. That also, and they also even more so 
But but Laura, what I love about country music is that they let if you're good, they let you in. It's not about how you look, and that's something that I feel like we need well, to. Those are some values that I could get behind. It's it's true though. It's like you you look watch a country award show, and these motherfucker. It looks like you're at a truck stop ga- waiting for the bathroom <laughs> with also, these guys on the red carpet. If you're good and you're a guy, they let you in. Maybe maybe that's you know that's a condition of entry. No, no uh, on, on, honestly, Snape has a good point. Honestly, I would I I normally would agree with you but it's not totally true it's definitely more more that way but it's chris who's who's the female jelly roll okay there's no female (laughs) there's no female you know what i mean jelly rolls fat ass gets to be a country star because he's got a a voice of gold or whatever where's the woman version of him where's where's a 400 pound big mama with face tats yeah no they're not gonna do that making it in country music it ain't gonna happen you know jelly rolls actually going in front of congress point snips going in front of congress and talking about uh fentanyl because he used to be he he did some time so he's doing good as well as making bad music that's so awesome (laughs) he he's he he went to jail for fentanyl i don't know no i don't i don't think he went to i think he was pre-fentanyl you know, I think he, I think he dealt with some other. He demons. needs to go in front of Congress talk about Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> anyway, Laura Snapes, how the hell are you? Welcome to How Long Gone. Have you ever listened to this show before? Um, I listened to every single episode for about eighteen months. <laughs> and, and wow! That, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, whoa. Okay. I think you know my na- my neighbors probably think I live with two quite loud American men. <laughs> um, when you say uh, embarrassingly. Could you expand on that, please, <laughs> to us, the two people who do this show? I mean, I have paid to go to one of your London shows, uh, and I was. I, I, well, how yeah, are we, how are we not mates, mate? Yeah, we th- don't do that, Laura. You you send me a text message or an email. You we have friends in common. You shouldn't be paying. Shard Shard wasn't in town. Our good friend Shard D'Souza, he wasn't around. Um, but like. I was going to ask you some questions and then Sam Fragoso asked you some questions. And so now it would just sound like I was jacking his shit if I'm like, oh, actually, I'm going to ask something. <laughs> no, 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 you, no. You guys are both professional question askers <laughs> and better at it than we are. A hundred percent better. Not, better a, not in every way. <laughs> oh, one of the things that I really like about the uh, show is like you don't ask people about the work. You don't ask people about the process so much. Like I was just writing a piece about um, this late music journalist called Tom Hibbert. who used to work at Smash Hits in the 80s and then Key Magazine in the 90s. And he was very irreverent. And he asked people questions like, like there's a really famous interview with Morrissey from just before Meat is Murder comes out and everybody's taking it so seriously. And people like kids across the country are going vegetarian. And his first question to Morrissey is, what's the matter with you? And I feel like we need more of that. <laughs> that is, that actually, that's kind of our vibe. I like that yeah, like, yeah. what's wrong with you is we really- had to do that with jay mascus just last <laughs> week actually yeah, it was kind of- yeah. Also, like a question like what are you doing on an airplane that's quite revealing and this guy tom hibbert would ask people questions like does your mother play golf which kind of seems innocuous but then in the 80s probably reveals quite a lot about your class background and whether you're mm. posh or not and there's there's one great interview in key magazine in the 90s he had a column called who the hell as in and the headline for all of them was who the hell does john lydon think he is who the hell does roger waters think he is and then the roger waters one he says are you are you not the grumpiest man in rock and roger waters says i refuse to answer that question on the grounds that it is stupid and it's like okay so that's a yes yeah that's 100 <laughs> percent a yes wow that's that i mean i think that level of confrontation i just don't know if it's allowed anymore like it, like in 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 certain arenas, you know what I mean? Like where it's like a publicist is going to jump in, like they'll just hang up the fucking phone. They don't care because they have so much power now. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the 90s, you know, 
there was only a handful of places yeah. that mattered. But the beautiful about what he think about what he did is it wasn't just straightforward combative. Like he wanted to kind of hold people to a high standard and have fun with them and see if they had a sense of their own absurdism. Yeah. But especially in the nineties, like you've kind of got washed up rock stars for the first time, but they're also like fat off the boom of CD money, so they're really kind of complacent. Sure, Ringo sure. Star, Ringo yeah. Star in one interview thinks that Tom Hibbert is being insufficiently respectful, and he says, "Don't you know you've got a bloody legend in front of you?" And he storms <laughs> out. I mean, that's go That's the thing. That's that's gold you can't i mean that's as good as it gets ringo's not wrong ringo's not wrong i, I mean, mean just from having listened to this a lot i have been wanting to see your pet shop boys poster jason it's very nice um <laughs> but they they also have a really that's great they have a very healthy sense of the absurd i interviewed them the other week and they were incredible and um they have um they put out an annual every year called annually and in the back of it they have a bit where readers can ask the questions and one of the questions in a recent issue was, has either of you ever been on a horse? And it turns out uh, Neil has never been on a horse, but Chris has been on a donkey and he's been on Paul McCartney's horse. And it's like, damn, useless information, but it like, it's brilliant. I'm so glad that I know that. Well, that, damn. that reminds me when, speaking of Jay Maskus, when we were just sort of hitting a, a wall, when I was like, all right, I'm asking this person questions and the answers are not super satisfying. A lot of, uh, like I told Chris, it's a lot of yes, no, instead of yes, and going on. And I, for some reason, I it just in my head, I was like, have you ever had a themed birthday party? <laughs> and he was, he was just like, hmm. And then he revealed that he had a skiing themed birthday party, which <laughs> then led us to learn that he broke both of his legs in the seventh grade. And then we got to learn a little bit about his class upbringing as well. A family, you know, often going skiing together. And like you say, it, it leads you down roads that you never would have gone. And sometimes you have to do that. Mm -hmm. So that being said, we're going to have to do that with you, Laura. Or maybe you're going to do that with us. And Laura, we're not even obsessed with class like your people. Like we just, you know, it's it's it, it's <laughs> yeah. not. I, we just like Chris to, has never even thought about it. I've never thought about money once. I'm kind of I'm kind of above <laughs> that I mean, personally. I mean, you you two are famously pictured laughing above an article about how British people have no money. <laughs> no, yeah, I, that was look, that was that was. Uh, I didn't love that. <laughs> I I did I did because all British people were like damn. Damn, this is so right like this is exactly yeah. like how it is like it, the, it was a really resounding like yes to that that line of uh, thinking i didn't like it that much because i know most people will won't read because nobody reads those thingies anymore so they just see that headline and my laughing face and i wanted to say hey guys i don't identify as a wealthy person i've grown up poor my entire life this is not me i, I mean it, it's more though but why why don't you guys get paid anything for your jobs what do you think the issue is <laughs> no i guess um uh, maybe i'm not sure what, what the difference in taxes is maybe it's like i don't know uh, uh social you know you we have more of a safety net you don't guys don't have so much of a safety net i don't know we also when i look at what's happening in i mean i can only speak to media because i have unfortunately been a journalist my whole life when i look at what happens in american media it seems maybe that the wages are higher but the instability is huge you never know when like the you know the, mm -hmm. the iceberg is going to crack and you're going to be in the water whereas here things are a little bit more solid and traditional i don't know if that's yeah no that that's probably true. everyone that's i know true. who has a, a a nine to five media job with a company email address and maybe healthcare, they almost are living a glorified freelance lifestyle it's just you're freelance but you also have at condenas.com email you know what i mean mm -hmm. you don't go to an office there's no culture there's no real security like you said Shout out to our family over there, Condé. <laughs> i mean I, I don't i saw that you weren't you're not very happy about the pitchfork thing and 
I well before we get to that, I think <laughs> maybe maybe because music journalism doesn't make very much money, then the people that do it don't get paid very much money. Uh. That's probably definitely true. I mean, I cannot dis- discount the fact that I have a full time job as a music journalist, and you know, I'm aware of that's very rare and very lucky. And like, I listened to what you guys mm-hmm. said about the pitchfork thing, and um, yeah, like nobody needs music criticism, that kind of thing. Um, and I, you know, what you were saying with um, San Fragoso as well about like, you know, people expect to be able to make it in something, and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily always going to be the case, and you might have to accept the kind of hard truth of that. Um, yeah, I'm aware of the absurdity of being able to do this. And I think the pitchfork thing is sad because like um, me and a lot of people have fundamentally been able to like make a life out of just paying attention to nerd shit and kind of a similar yeah. way to like how you guys have. And that is like, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous and kind of, you know, a weird blessing where it's like, I'm just getting paid to think about stuff that is not like, that is not necessary, but also the fact that it's not necessary kind of makes it feel like something that should exist even more when yeah, everything's so geared towards like productivity and hustle culture and blah 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 so mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. i'm sentimental it's about, called art guys it's called art <laughs> i'm sentimental about pitchfork because um like i think it kind of saved me a bit getting a job there and you know i made friends in america and it made me a better writer and um but yeah obviously i understand why people don't care for it no i don't even think but no i mean i think that what you said is completely valid that makes total sense i don't even think I, I think the people that are upset about it that are like they were mean, that's stupid because the that shit that mm-hmm. was the best part. That was fucking funny. I, th- I think people care for it, but I, I, I it's just not a, a business that seemed to work, right? Like, I mean, obviously they got a lot of click through and traffic, but if it was a really successful business, they wouldn't have done that. I'm assuming, right? I yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I saw that thing from somebody who worked internally saying that it had like the highest amount of traffic of any one of their sites because I guess it's probably one of the only Condé mm. things that's not pe- um, pegged to a print publication, and you know, it's just sort yeah. of like yeah. you know the more immediate offshoot of like a more sclerotic side of things. Um, but mm. I think you could. You, even before this GQ thing, you could tell that maybe the feature side of it was slightly hamstrung from being within Condé because maybe big superstars weren't coming to them in the way they once were. And, you know, then maybe there was the idea of conflict with what celebrities meant to bigger brands at that company. Mm. And also, I guess if you are Anna Wintour or whoever looking at Pitchfork through the perspective of like, well, you should be getting bigger, shinier things. I don't know what that, I don't know if that is what that website is for. You know, once in a, mm. once in a while, yeah. they'll do a really interesting interview with somebody like Mariah Carey, where they get something really great out of her because they're asking her about being a producer of her own music and not just like diva celebrity bullshit but a website like that i think shouldn't be dependent on like star access stars yeah no i mean i would agree with maybe that's a conflict i know i would agree with that but i think star access is is what drives kind of everything in that you know what i mean whether we like it or not and i i mean i i you know i read all this stuff and it's 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 crazy what everything that was indie has now become you know that just doesn't really exist anymore as far as like what they're talking about Financially, there's plenty. There's plenty of independent well, businesses. <laughs> so if I'm if I'm looking at Pitchfork as like a startup business, it could be a, a social media platform. It could be a beer company. Eventually, most people ask you the question like, "Are you going to scale? Or you or is your goal to be bought out by a larger thing?" And most places eventually just get bought out by a larger thing. I worked my ass off my whole entire life. Of course, I'm going to get the check. I'll stick around for a couple of years and then it'll fizzle out and die and I'll be retired with $100 million. 
and then it begins again. A new beer company comes out, a new app comes out. Is there runway in 2024 for a new fully independent version of Pitchfork or something similar to Pitchfork to come out and succeed independently now? Well, maybe I'm really cynical, but I don't think so. Like that website started out of somebody's basement with people being paid $10 for a review. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. you can't do that now. And uh, I have no idea how things like venture capital or applying for funding works. But I I can <laughs> see how it's maybe not um, the the safest bet for somebody with a lot of money unless unless it's just a pure pleasure project to go, yes, we will back this. Well, I think often I think often things like this are bought by a rich person who romanticizes it mm-hmm. a little bit. And I, 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 but I just think this is something that's so, it's so small. It's not Rolling Stone. You know what I mean? It's like it, no one, I mean, there are people that grew up with it. You know what I mean? But they're on this zoom right now. Yeah. And it's like, I, we could put our money together, but I don't think we would, I don't think our bid would get accepted. <laughs> that's my, and issue. I, I wouldn't bid, but I mean, just like art is, is, is this art form going to only, subsist on patronage from from wealthy patrons Um. how long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at better help jason better help you know the summer travel season is coming up luckily my better help therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent so for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions we're spent off obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting (laughs) therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. Career World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard, the New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late-night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland, who are putting modern spins on korean classics recipes include giant short ribs whole fried smash rockfish and pineapple kimchi fried rice i'm sad i didn't get to name the foods and you did (laughs) korea world is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food available wherever books are sold 
And no, I don't think it will subsist on patronage from wealthy patrons. I guess what happens after something like Pitch... I mean, Pitchfork, I don't think it's going to die. I think it's going to stay as a standalone yeah, website. But yeah, yeah, by the, sure. yeah, by the sounds of it, like mm-hmm. the, the features will be run out of GQ or whatever. Um, but I think that a moment like this sort of pushes people back into the underground. And rather than there being some big Pitchfork-style thing that comes and replaces it, maybe we'll see more mm-hmm. zines and kind of niche websites and that kind of coverage. Mm-hmm. It, it will be it will be a, a hobbyist thing. I mean, you guys, but I say this all the time. There's, I mean, I can think of five British websites that do that now that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that is... It still exists, and I think some are better than others. But, but they they all started like late two thousands. Did they like like Quietus, Line of Best Fit, all that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, they've been around probably like 15, 16 years at this point. Oh Christ! Well, it felt new to me. Uh, you know what I mean? It feel it feels <laughs> the new. only way they can make money is from their podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that the yeah, I mean, I think that people choose to spend their money in interesting ways. You know, but I mean. I think the best jobs are the ones that you have. Like a newspaper is is going to this is something they are going to do. Like they're not going to abandon arts coverage. That's just too much of a backbone of the of the business. But you working at a mag or a, a proper newspaper like that, are you able to say everything that you want to say like if you had your own zine with no editorial control? Are there things that you wish you could be saying that you aren't are not able to say because of? No, I don't think so. I mean, like we have a, a chief pop critic, and so he writes the main review every week, and so I might disagree with what he says, or he he will cover an album that you know I might have been interested in writing about. But no, like I am very lucky in this job being deputy. I can kind of do a lot of whatever I want. Like I spent the whole week writing. 2000 words about a smash hits journalist who died in 2011 that's not sure 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 yeah. progress the news agenda yeah no sure sure i i i <laughs> i think that's true and i'm glad that you recognize that that's important yeah. that you recognize that enjoy enjoy that deputy role <laughs> yeah um do you miss twitter uh no um the i have not let the account die i think i'm nearly like four years clean well once because you used to only have to reactivate it like once a year but then under elon musk now you have to reactivate it every month so I smart can, that's my that's my guy that's why it's thriving that's why it's thriving <laughs> trying to make you forget but i set a reminder and then go in and sort of like grandpa simpson it like you know take your hat off put it back on again leave <laughs> and it's slightly like walking into like a building that I left when it was on fire and it's still on fire and people are there and most of what people are still there and most of what people are talking about there is the state of being there. That um, that I did pop in after the pitchfork stuff because I wanted to know what was happening. <laughs> well, people people were really letting it fly, but I think that the I think that you're right. The amount of talk that people do on the platform about how bad it is is kind of baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't like I mean, joining Blue Sky is the lamest thing you can do. Like you either you're either on Twitter or you're not. Like let's be honest, but the amount of complaining on the platform is is, you know, similar to I'm taking a social media break announcement on social media. It, it just doesn't But, but it, if it I, is if Twitter is really a drug, like it has affected Chris and my brain so much <laughs> with the hours spent on it, it's where we mine all of our content for the show and repackage it with ads for McDonald's, but it's the same way that people you know like you see a heroin addict and they're like i don't like that i have ruined my life because of heroin i don't like it sucks that i have to give all of my money to my drug dealer because i can't stop doing this thing so the control over it is so strong that we are we hate it 
but we still do it. Yeah, I was totally addicted. And kind of breaking point was when I realized that I really had no self-esteem without people saying nice things to me on the internet. And if they said bad things, it was just like, oh, the spiral, here we go. <laughs> and so I left. And so I had been highly addicted. And for a long time, though, people would ask me like, oh, I can't believe you got off it. How did you do it? I would really like to quit, but I can't do it. And I'd be quite <laughs> sympathetic. But then I reached this point of zero tolerance where it's like, if I quit and I was so addicted, like, just quit. Like, the especially journalists stay on there because they think that they need to be on there for work. But like I can see from the back end of our articles, like Twitter drives no traffic whatsoever. It's just journalists talking to each other about their work and um, yeah, talking about the state of being on Twitter and like the word hell site or hellscape, like (laughs) fuck fuck off. I have no time for that. Uh, It's all, it's all voluntary. That's the thing. This is voluntary. This isn't, you're, you're not, this isn't government sanctioned. Like we're choosing to be here and you're choosing to experience the way you experience it. And that's the thing, like, obviously, you know, Elon Musk has fucked it up and done whatever to it, but also people are indignant about that as if it's some sort of like public service, not a privately traded company, which you accept terms and conditions to obviously without reading the thousands of words of terms and conditions. Like you're supposed to read that. Yeah. It's, it's quite bad what's happened to it and what it's become a platform for, (laughs) but you know, yeah, it's not a public service. But also, uh, for for our generation of maybe the elder millennial side of people who grew up around like a four chan style situation, where it's sort of a badge of honor or like it's your internet toughness persona of like I grew up looking at gore and murder and porn and all this shit. So like, Twitter is nothing to me. Like it, it almost is like I need Twitter to have some bad shit on there just to feel alive because I've, I've, I was born in the flames of, of, you know, pre social media internet culture, which was a dark place. Oh yeah. I spent so much time on like terrible indie forums, getting into fights and like, you know, (laughs) somebody once said that I looked like Lily Allen's gangrenous older sister. And for clarity, she is older than me when I was about 15 or 16. And it's like, well, my hide (laughs) has just got thicker and thicker and it's fine for the most part. Damn. I I, I (laughs) I need to work gangrenous into my insultory vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is quite nice. I, I mean, I think, that there's uh, but i feel like your job and and our job in in many ways is like kind of ripe for people to have issues with you know and that's the i think that is twitter is a place for people to express that mm-hmm. i mean i think with newspaper like some of my friends that write for newspapers like they get because the email they get emailed mm-hmm. you know like this is so fucking stupid why on earth would you write <laughs> about this and it's just like hundreds of emails telling you something is stupid is is that's worse than Twitter, I think. I don't know. I think it's kind of the price of admission. Like, I, I think I probably, I'm yeah. probably sounding really cynical, but like any writer who's like, oh, I can't write this because I'm going to get doxxed by young fans on the internet or like Taylor Swift fans are going to say kill yourself or whatever. That is not a real threat. Like if you, it's the price of admission at this point. If you are scared of writing something because you're worried about that, that that's going to happen, then I think at this point you're kind of not qualified to be doing it because mm. it doesn't mean anything and you can just switch. Let's talk go. that shit, Snaves. Talk that shit, baby. Let's go. I agree. Like a 15-year-old f- saying kill yourself on the internet is just, you know, how how you say like fuck you now. They do yeah. not seriously mean that. It should beat off your skin like one of your prized ducks. Exactly. Do you have a problem, Chris? You okay? Somebody just opened the door to the hotel room. That's okay. <laughs> I was just confused. You guys, can, if you guys got to drop something off, you can drop something off. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. No, don't worry about it. Thank you. I apologize. Damn. In America, if somebody opens my hotel room door, they're getting two in the chest. It was a dude too. That's the re- that's a real it was problem. A fella? 
I was a fella. Uh, and you're like, I told you to come at three. What are you doing here <laughs> right now? Exactly. This is not their time. Sorry. But Laura, no, I, Laura, I just want to say, I think you're, I think you're right. I think, I think you're right. And I think that like the way people talk to each other has changed partly because of the internet and everything is kind of meaningless. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Like kill yourself is, is just another fucking, you know, no one's, no one's buying a gun and coming to find you. Easy, easy, Chris. Famous last words. <laughs> If you can't deal with BB Rexafans photoshopping something onto your face, then you know yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. That's good. The, yeah. it, it, it's the price of putting yourself out there. Um, Universal Music Group just pulled their entire catalog off of TikTok. Why do you think they did that? I have not read the full story, but money, I guess. But also, it's surely it's just going to be like a stalemate situation because there's no way. There's no way that the artists who are on Universal are going to want this state of affairs for so long. You know, it's like they're calling their bluff, surely. Well, I, I read a little bit about it. They they claimed that TikTok only drove 1% of their sales. So it wasn't worth the headache and the trouble and the maintenance and the staffing and the teams to maintain all that information. So they pulled out. But a friend of ours, David Cho, was arguing that it's that's kind of foolish to just say like the binary trade for money in exchange for you know whatever like it drives so much more than just one percent of sales oh yeah like cultural awareness yeah i think it's just i think it's just i think it's our boy i think it's lucian you know i think he's just somebody had to do it i think it's just like anything it's like streaming shit they're just gonna fight about it until somebody gets more money do you do you like it do you like that they pulled their music off of tiktok chris no, no, I don't like it, but I do think it is. It's definitely just a move to to bargain. It's not like it. I, okay. I think they are aware. I think they are aware of the the uh, the effects and how positive it is beyond monetary gain. So this is sort of a digital picket line in 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 many ways. You're saying. I think they're yeah, hundred percent. Do you not, Laura? Do you think it's a bargaining thing, or do you think it's like yeah, definitely. Like somebody's going to blink first because TikTok can't survive without all that yeah. music. Universal Music Group own what is it like? more than half of the of the music in the yeah. world like it's them doing that huge if they stick with it is basically saying like we're done with tiktok the music industry is done with tiktok now yeah it's a, it's a, it's a problem and i don't know i don't i don't see them abandoning that quite so soon okay another music and money question what do you think about the talking heads turning down 80 million dollars to reunite where were they supposed to have had this offer from? Like Coachella or something? I think, I think it was so. a tour. I think it was a whole... I think it was maybe like a Live Nation or, you know, whatever. Some, someone... I, w- I was thinking I could... Get me on in in a boardroom. I could I could reunite the Beatles for eighty million dollars <laughs> and the talking you know the fucking talking heads. They're not that big, are they? No, there's no way a talking head store is going to make eighty million dollars back. And I don't know. You only have to watch that very awkward. Um, was it like Spike Lee interview before the reissue in cinemas yeah, have stopped making yeah. sense? You don't want to see that. Like it's going to be a. I just a sorry. Rep- I just I, feel like it's one of those things though where you know. One guy is very rich, and the rest of the guys and gals ain't. And maybe you do it to throw him a bone. After all these years, like everybody's gonna take home fifteen mil. Of course, like you guys. David Byrne been... doesn't seem like that kind of person. He does not seem like that kind of person. But I—that's what I always think about with stuff like this. When there's one person that's clearly so much more rich than everyone else, like how bad can it be, dude? Do a month. But what is it? Another situation where David wants to, but everyone else hates him and they're like you know what i could really use 17 million dollars <laughs> but i can't i hate this motherfucker so much that i'm just gonna try my luck at 
GameStop. That's possible. I mean, or something. I mean that's possible. Like, that really might one be. One of them out a memoir where he's like incredibly scathing about uh, David Byrne and it. Like it would be irreparably frosty, I think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I just feel like that's I don't know, man. Money is money. I, I'm like I, I don't care what you do. if 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 it's that kind of money on the table. I don't really care what you did to me 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Okay, what about Johnny Marr and Morrissey then? Is that more likely to happen? No, no way. I think politi- politically, that is not that is not solvable. Given what I don't know, like Americans seem to perceive Morrissey very differently. Like there was that rec- one of the last records he put out had quite a lot of like left leaning kind of indie stars on it. Whereas over here, he is perceived as quite racist and beyond the pale because of comments that he's made. Yeah. Well, Laura, um, let, let me Laura, let me tell you something. Racism in America is explicit. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's bad. And I think more. I also think Morrissey is just. I didn't. I mean, also all of that stuff is, it all seems to really be wrapped up in like British politics. A lot of it, obviously racism is racism, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's wrapped up in stuff that I think people are like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. My, my rockabilly Mexican homies have (laughs) no idea about the inner workings of Brexit or any, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know, socialist reform programs program with an E at the end. Also Trump, Trump was just playing, please, please let me get what I want. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's a different audience here. Hey, look, that was not sanctioned. (laughs) That was not sanctioned. Do you think that was pure coincidence or do you think there was an insider somewhere on his campaign team who snuck that in as a a wink to the to us. Um, no, I think it's part of the current vogue for the most literal music syncing of all time. Like every music sync in Saltburn is just like, where can we find a song with the lyrics that describe exactly what's happening in this scene? <laughs> please, please let me get what I want. They've gone great. This is what we want. It it it, it is perfect when you look at it that oh, way. Wow. That's that's true. I mean, he just canceled. He was supposed to play. Uh, a show in LA like last week or two shows in LA two weeks at stadium at, at like arenas and he canceled the like two days before he, I, I was speaking with my barber about it yesterday who said that he apparently or he had extreme fatigue at a at a hospital somewhere in, in Europe I forgot where and he canceled them but also the rumor is that he had low ticket sales and that's why they canceled mm-hmm. that is a real true kind of sign of the times I guess where Morrissey is just like that thing where wherever he plays, whenever he plays, it's always sold out, full of rabid fans. It's you know, it's like a convention basically. Leading up to that show in LA, apparently they were doing two for one tickets for the week before the show because the sales were so low. So it's looking grim out there unless you're a DJ like me, where <laughs> the the emails keep rolling in. And he's got got that record on the shelf as well that they're apparently not letting him put out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Bonfire of, te- bonfire of teenagers, I think. Um, some because he got he so left sick. the old label, or they dropped so him, and maybe they own it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. It was like done, and they own it, and they dropped him, and he can't. I okay. think so. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if the record was good, which it probably isn't, somebody would have wanted to put it. <laughs> it would have found a way. Found a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor guy hasn't made a good song since '07. Sorry, I just don't care. He's the best, <laughs> and I just can't. I, I don't. I just don't. There's just certain things that I think if you got into it in a, at a certain age, it's it's too. It's almost impossible to deprogram. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's almost impossible. Like you can not publicly flaunt your your choices, but it's like R. Kelly. People are listening to R. Kelly in their car. <laughs> they, they they ain't tweeting about it, but they're listening to it, and that's like that's just. I think that's human nature to it. Yeah, extent. Michael Jackson is completely back now. Michael Jackson's f- R. Kelly, not so much. R. Kelly's live performance at Pitchfork Fest, very interesting. Pitchfork, <laughs> what a show! You know what I mean? Brought the house down. 
<laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago that like Phoenix brought him out of Coachella, and it was like, wow, what an incredible cross-cultural moment. Wait, Phoenix? Phoenix brought out R. Kelly at Coachella? Yeah, they did. So like, sick. The mashup so of Ignition sick. and maybe it was like 1901. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's funny. That is so <laughs> sick. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I Google, I remember googling like when the Pitchfork th- stuff came out a couple weeks ago. I was I was like. Wait a minute. Who played? Didn't R. Kelly play a picture? And I was looking up the, you know, and all the Google headlines are just like Pitchfork apologizes for having R. Kelly. <laughs> Coachella apologizes for having R. Kelly. Phoenix apologizes for it's just it's just dozens and dozens of that's so, that's, different artists who have apologized for ever being in the same. That's room really so. funny. I, I love the people. But a feel, voice of honey feel the know? need to apologize for that. Where it's like, guys, it, like you didn't know. Like it's you know what I mean. Like what what do you what do you who are you groveling to? Yeah, like I think Phoenix have that French perspective as well. I did a, a book with them a couple of years ago, and like we talked a little bit about it in it, and they're like, you know, to us he's just like the funny guy who does a remix to Ignition and trapped in the closet, and that's like all they know. And also as well. France doesn't really have a problem with that kind of thing, as we know. Like, no, for sure. Um, no, I, I was in Paris in December, <laughs> and you can go to the Serge Gainsbourg house now and like walk around it, yeah, which is yeah. incredible. And then across the road, you go to this little museum, which mm. is full of Serge artifacts. And some of the stuff that is in there is absolutely eye popping. There's a, a display downstairs of all of the international covers of Jetez Moi Non Plus, which was banned in all of these different countries. And one of the South American releases does not say Serge Gainsbourg or Jane Birkin on it. It's red filtered it's a photo of a topless woman and it just says porno record on it wow and then there are magazine covers <laughs> there's a, a magazine cover with Serge Gainsbourg after he's done the reggae <laughs> cover of La Marseillaise where he is laying on the floor and a man has got a machete and they've like stabbed him in the throat so he's bleeding out and he's surrounded by topless women or like you know in, in very so sort of like sick. trashy like lacy negligee <laughs> what a way to go yeah. damn this 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 guy <laughs> killed me while i was with all these women this sucks man damn, damn. That, yeah it reminds me of when you see all those movie posters that have been reinterpreted in in thailand and africa and they, they distill it down to some but really hard to beat mm-hmm. porno records Instead of just saying, you know, yeah. especially if they charge by the letter, Serge Gainsbourg, that's, yeah. that's a lot. But it's like, yep, yeah, France, France is pretty chill with this. When I saw that magazine cover, I was like, oh my God, like the shit Matt Healy gets in trouble for. And you compare it to what Serge Gainsbourg was doing 50 years ago. Like we need more <laughs> men pretending to be dead, surrounded by topless women on the cover of magazines. I want to go to the, I, I want to go to the, I, I've wanted to go to that. I saw it because it's pretty recent that, that they announced it's like in the last six months, right? Yeah. Only like in the last six months or so. Yeah. What is the vibe? Is it like a $20 and you can just walk around or is it like guided? Um, so I think it's 25 euros and, um, it's a very small apartment. It's got very low ceilings. All the walls are painted black and your guide is, um, you listen to a guided audio tour by Charlotte Gansborg and she's got that very whispery voice. Oh, I like that. I like this. And it's very intimate. Like she tells you like, look at this thing, look at this thing and now turn around and now we'll go through here. And she talks about like, you know, being in the bath and she's she says that there's a one bit where she, that you're in the bathroom, which is really beautiful, sort of like wood clad and very dark. And she's like, my father was scrupulously clean, but he did not like to take a bath. He did everything in the bidet. And it's it's very intimate. And like in the kitchen, you see all of these. Um, he collected bottles of wine from the year of his birth and they're all lined up on top of the shelf. It's this tiny little kitchen and they've got like dregs of wine left in the bottom. Wow. And it sort of veers between 
amazing intimacy and then being really confrontational like you go in his bedroom and there's a tube of old smarties like this british candy um yeah yeah and she talks about how like you know this was their this was their palace and she wasn't really allowed in there and then she's like and this is where my father died and then we spent days lying in the bed next to his body and we had his body embalmed so that we could spend longer laying next to his body and so it's this really strange mix of intimacy wow. and confrontation almost because you know it's been shut since 1991 and she's the custodian and loads of people have wanted to see it and the vibe yeah. was a bit like okay you want to know what it was like this is what it was like um but it is whoa it's that's that's the most that's surreal cool. cool thing i've yeah. ever done i think imagine taking an edible and going in there oh, oh. <laughs> oh god you might never make it out what is the percept what but he is perceived as a he's just kind of like an icon and all of his transgressions are just part of the lore Am I wrong in saying that? I think, yeah, I think that's right. And I think maybe my theory on why he's got away with it is like there's so much self-loathing within him as well that, you know, he does he yeah. does do terrible things. Like you must have seen the clip where he's on, a, I think, an American talk show with Whitney Houston. Have you seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> do you not, do you know it? I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Oh, he's on he's on a talk show. I can't remember if it's American or British. And he's next to Whitney Houston, and he kind of mumbles something in French. And she's like, "What did you say?" And he goes, "I want to fuck her." Uh, and she's like, "Huh?" And the host is like, "No, we won't repeat that." But then, like that's that's a very that's a very famous uh, clip of him on television. But then there's this other incredible one. I think it's towards the end of his life. He's being honored for some kind of French award, and he's sitting in the audience as like a review show with other people doing his songs. And then they get out. This I have seen. Yeah, this like choir of little boys who have all got like stubble painted on and fake cigarettes, and they're singing one of his his songs. Mm -hmm. And you see him just like head in hands crying. Chris, you've and seen so this, think, right? No, I've never seen that. Oh, no. it's, oh my it's god! One of the, I'll send it to it's you. It's one of the it's greatest amazing. videos on the internet. Crying, crying out of sadness or happiness everything sadness because i think you can tell that his life has gone very wrong i think it's only a few years before he died he's you can tell he's drunk on the thing on the show and he's smoking and yeah. it's just too much for him and so i think those those clips are kind of the duality of like somebody who's yeah. very cocksure and like not not proper but then also pretty broken and how actually how did he die? I don't even know how he, he died. He fucked himself to death. I think just alcoholism, yeah. He drank and smoked so much. Yeah, okay. Just regular just regular mm -hmm. stuff. Regular cool stuff. Okay. It wasn't no nefarious. But, it, but it's activities. cool because like you, you see like a Roman Polanski kind of person where not a great person, but the output of his films and production and directing is is so good that people still fuck with him. But was I don't know, I mean Serge Gaines he's a great musician, but like he wasn't like a A list huge star, was he? Or maybe he was. Well, I think in, in France, uh, in yeah, in France, in yeah, France. he was. And like, um, Histoire de Melody Nelson, I think. Mm. I don't know how big it was here at the time, but it's definitely had like a big appreciation in the past 30 years. I think another reason that he, I don't want to say gets away with it, but that, you know, people have sympathy towards him is he had so many great female collaborators and I don't think any of them have anything bad to say about him. Like mm -hmm. from Jane Birkin yeah, yeah. to France Gall and like Bombu, his later wife. Like, um, and you know, he did weird shit with his daughter like you know that song lemon incest is so utterly strange they sing about it's the love we will never wild, make together wild stuff <laughs> wild stuff she's wild always said stuff. like nothing untoward has ever happened and she purely loves him and so you have to believe those people i think that 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 does that that really does bode well for someone if if all the women in your life uh, after you're dead don't slag you off to the papers then you're kind of good for the rest for, for the rest that of means time. your dick game was really mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> it was yeah. your dick dick game fantastic <laughs>
<laughs> um, well, speaking of sad music, Laura, and then I want to get to your questions that you prepared for us, if you have any. Um, when you park your car in a car park and listen to music to cry, what do you listen to? Oh, boy. I mean, when I go home to where my family live, there is a specific car park I like to go to to cry if I need to cry. Uh, it's it's by the sea and you've almost got like a 360 view. Um, mm -hmm. One particular instance that time, uh, oh, one particular instance, I felt like it was finally time that I might get into Phoebe Bridges having not really liked her. So I went and bought some tissues and a bottle of water and I parked in the car park <laughs> and I listened to Punisher so much that my car pinged and said it was going to run out of battery if I didn't stop. And it worked. It converted me to Phoebe Bridges. I quite like it now. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like that was like government mandated. <laughs> like you have to like Phoebe Bridges. Go. We're This is not right, a We're going to get this thing done today. <laughs> one way or another. You never have that where you feel like, oh, wait, I think this thing might make sense to me now. I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to try and create the optimum conditions for it. Crying in my car. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah. uh, the national is my favorite band so i would cry to the national in my car probably i know you're i know you're a, na a national head i am as well um and i i've never seen them actually which is like what? weird. is there fan is there fandom called the nationalists <laughs> <laughs> it should be i've never seen them either okay so that is so you really did work at pitchfork Bla okay yeah i'd like it. to say i like them before that yeah i've seen them 34 times i once saw them five times in six days i thought you guys interview with matt was really good like quite often when they do press they come across a bit boring or people don't ask them interesting questions, but like you brought out well, thank the, you. the funny thank you. side and the kind of irreverent weird side, well, he's a, which you don't get to see a lot. He's one of those guys though, who you, effect. you know that he's like a comedy fan. You know, some, mm -hmm. a lot of these guys that come off as like really serious, like their interests are not serious. And mm -hmm. I don't know why that, like, if you see this guy kicking it with Zach Galifianakis all the time, like he's probably mm -hmm. likes to laugh. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, why, why would no one explore For that? A, a guy who's like, I usually, I, I like to smoke weed and ride my bike around Venice beach. Like, yeah, yeah you're probably like a silly, funny guy. Yeah. Take, take long drives with his daughter, like listening to Taylor Swift in the car. Like pretty mm. good. I want to know if he's ever been on a horse. Uh, yeah. Great question. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say yes. And I feel like it could have been, you would know this though, but I feel like it could have been for like a music video. I, I, I could see that somehow. <laughs> uh, I, well, I saw that story you wrote about, um, kind of like you're, you were saying that, that artists should be allowed to play like deep cuts. And I completely disagree with you. And I <laughs> don't want to hear any noodling. I don't want to hear any fucking B-sides. I want you to play only the smashes and then the like second tier fan smashes. Y you know what I mean? Like a, a motorcycle drive-by by Third Eye Blind. Never a single but an important song to the fans. I only want like deep cuts from bands where I really love it and I where I really love them and I actually know what those songs are. Like it's the worst thing when you go and see like Built to Spill at a festival and you're like, oh, when are they going to do the one song I know? Because the rest of them all sound exactly the same. Built to Spill is a great example. Great example. <laughs> I had that exactly last year. And like even the 1975, I really like that band, but I do think they kind of have four songs and then about 15 variations on each one of them. And you'll watch them and think, oh, it's the one I like. Oh, no, it's not the one I like. Oh, it's just the sort of mid-level version of that. Did you go to the show? I saw the one around this time last year where Taylor Swift came out in the yeah. middle and then they're playing again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. They're come I know. It's it's like, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's cool to me that bands can still do like a world tour, like, we're doing this for real. Mm -hmm. Like we play in Jakarta, we play in London, we play in New York. It's like, I, there's only a handful of people that can do that. Like, I, I don't know who can do that anymore. That's like truly global. 
it's it's interesting yeah and also kind of like reinventing the show kind of over the course of that um of that massive tour as well before they were playing Reading and Leeds, they were headlining Reading and Leeds in August. I was trying to get like a cover feature off the ground, being like, you know, there's been a lot of chat yeah. this year, a lot of conversation. Maybe it's a good a good time for him to kind of set the record straight. Um, and they thought about it, and then they they sent back this very somber answer, which was like, we really appreciate the uh, the that you reaching out, but Matty has decided Matthew. They always refer to him very formally. Has decided that he's going to integrate his response to this year's events into the new iteration of the show. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll look forward to that. Damn, that's that's a great response. That's really <laughs> yeah. funny. That's really really funny. I mean, the show is. I mean, I, I saw it a couple of times. I loved. it. I thought it was really impressive. And I think that like it's just. I, I don't I like to go to big stuff for that reason because there's so much effort and like production put into it that it's that it's always like impressive but like Chris likes a spectacle yeah I mean if you it's just other I, I've seen enough bands in fucking bars in my life you know I know what that looks like like impress me spend all your money make no profit so that you can have moving parts on the stage you know that's what I'm looking for totally yeah like big big shows always make me cry even if I don't have any sentimental connection to the artist there's I find something very beautiful about like all the effort of building something enormous, which is purely for people's enjoyment. Like mm. last year I saw The weekend for the first time, which I truly only went to because I watched all of The Idol in one week and I thought it was funny. And I thought this might be entertaining to go and see him. And then great it was- Great show, great, great show. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was stupid, but I don't understand why people got offended because it was too stupid to be offensive. <laughs> it was just- You got it. Mad libs <laughs> with some very enjoyable performances in it. We have our new tagline for this podcast. <laughs> In case we ever get any hot water. Too stupid to be offensive. No, I know, I know the feeling that happened. I think I remember when when the weekend played the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and I am not an, a weekend fan whatsoever. But I remember watching it mm -hmm. and feeling like I was watching a, a film on an airplane. Like, God damn it! Why? Why am I about to start crying? Because the uh, yeah. the beautiful spectacle of, like you said, hundreds or thousands of people coming together just to make a nice thing for everyone mm -hmm. to enjoy. He had like. This whole corrugated metal city kind of Gotham type thing, which had his musicians. Yeah, yeah. I saw this. I yeah, saw this and, show. Um, I saw this God, show. God, I've forgotten the name of his producer, who's also in the Idol. But he would kind of come up on a rise. Mike D. Oh, oh, Mike D. The goat. Show some again. respect. So, show some respect <laughs> to the OG Mike Dean. No one does it like Mike he's Dean. He's wearing this mask, and then there's a bit the weekend. This is, and then there's a bit halfway through where he takes off the mask, and he's really looking at it very deeply, like it's Greek tragedy, and it's hilarious and ridiculous. But then the part where you could actually see his face he's got quite a cute sweet teddy bearish kind of face he does and like you know from the kind of jumbotron thing he looked so genuinely moved that everybody was having such a nice time that i you know i, I don't only know the hits really i also found it like crazily moving it was great fun that's i, I honestly i i like the i like this i, I like you're you're open to it you know and i think that's a hard thing for me personally like i i <laughs> it's very hard for me to go into something and not already have decided how I'm going to feel about Chris it. Chris is closed to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, if it's something I like, I'm going to like it. And then I might say it's bad, but I'm going to like it while I'm there, you know? But I, I don't know. It's 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 a nice way to approach life. But, I mean, that's not uniform. Like, definitely, sometimes you go to, like, you get dragged to see the strokes at a festival with friends, and then they're so bad, and you've gone in with bad preconceptions that the worse it is, or even, like, minuscule things that they will do just kind of drive you to a state of, like, I'm vibrating with rage, and I have to leave this place. <laughs> It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear that about the Strokes oh. because I thought they sounded great, but I think it is very boring. Yeah, I saw them at uh, one of these awful 
example, like London One Day Festivals last year, my friend described them as sounding like a cruise ship band, which wasn't far off. It was so mulchy and bad. Mulchy. Mulchy. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. What is that? What what is what does mulchy mean exactly? No clarity. Like when you think of the strokes, you think of those kind of like very pristine guitar sounds, but this was just like tramping through mud and leaves. Okay. <laughs> Not unlike a stodgy, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, stodgy, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Jason Touche, bitch. Damn. I watch a lot of Bake Off, so sue me. Uh, Laura, <laughs> did you have any questions for us as we're as we're closing things out? Um, I wanted to know, like, when you're trying to get celebrities to come on the show, how do you pitch it to them? Because they can't come on and talk about their like wonderful new project because you're not going to ask them about that. And do you think it's a high stakes encounter for them? Mm. Uh, well, usually it's. I mean, a celebrity. It depends if it's like through a friend or you know something like that. It's it's a different thing versus oftentimes like. A, an email will come in and it'll just be like a pitch, you know, and I'll just be like, Hey, we want Paul Reiser on how long gone. They're like, shit. All right. Yeah. And that's it. You know, it's not really, I think it's mm -hmm. like, I also think those people are so used to doing stuff that nothing is high stakes to them, except maybe like mm -hmm. maybe live television, y you know, like at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. But not all celebrities. If you're a professional comedian celebrity, then you're like, what are these jokers going to do? Uh, it'll be fine. But if you're a celebrity who's a singer or something like that, where you're not, so media train like Nathan Lane like well Nathan Lane was one of my favorite ones <laughs> Nathan Lane was just like are we done yet you know what, <laughs> what I mean? the it's, fuck is this yeah, that's what I he mean, said every 10 seconds which which I loved but I I guess like I, I think some people come into it with preconceived notions of like this is going to be intimidating or it's a little bit of a nail biter like I need to be on kind of thing I think everyone approaches a podcast guest appearance like that mm -hmm. but I, I think people usually now will warn They'll ask a friend who listens and be like, what's the vibe with these guys? And they'll listen a little bit and they'll figure out the flow. But we've had instances, we've had an instance where the vibe was not explained to someone and it did not go well. And I was just kind of mm. like, what, what? I don't understand. Like, this is what we do. There's no, we didn't deviate from Did our you run it or did you cancel it? No, we canceled it. No. Yeah. Right, right. That was Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Um, but but some people like that where they're like I'm a busy person I'm a, I'm doing a billion things I hired a PR company to push my new album or my new book or whatever it is I'm going to sell I'm going to do 50 podcasts and I want only to do this because it will drive sales and if yeah. you don't talk about the book or the movie or the thingy then they're like why did I do this this is bullshit it's a waste of my time it's not it's not wrong for duff mckagan to think that to, to be fair like it's not i'm just like yeah bro this ain't if this ain't for you that's okay i'm not i'm not you can't be mad at that because it's like this guy has done it all he's seen it all mm -hmm. yeah but you should you should know that like no one is in in 2024 on a podcast of three dudes talking about you know what city you recorded your record in and and the bass player that you got to do it like no one's gonna be like wow this sounds amazing i can't wait to go to the store and buy this on vinyl you know you, you but if somebody is like i really liked jay mascus i never listened to dinosaur jr he was really funny and weird i'm gonna look for him on spotify and check out his music that's pretty sick mm -hmm. i'm gonna follow him on social media versus just like okay this guy made an album cool what else well musicians I think musicians like that die though if they don't if they if they they have to think it's good and important to yeah. talk about or they would be maybe they wouldn't make it or they would at least not want to promote it. Yeah. yeah, I think that sort of like personality color that you bring out in people like talking about the decline of music press. That's something that magazines used to do really well because you would have you know your kind of main feature, but then you would have the goofy stuff around the side and you know being asked like, does your mother play golf and stuff? And mm -hmm. yeah, I think 
maybe today as well like proving that you can hang is very important as a celebrity i find like there's been a mm. couple of shows where i felt like somebody had come on and they were trying to outmaneuver you because they were worried that you might get them first mm -hmm. um yeah proving that you can hang and the importance of that is very true and, and i guess a lot of similarities in the political races of like we're just going to vote for somebody who we can have a beer with quote unquote or whatever but mm -hmm. if you if, if a person's a bad hang mm -hmm. it tells you everything you need to know and if somebody surprises you and ends up being a good hang a converted for, fan for life mm -hmm. i had you know i'd never heard of simon de puri and i probably wouldn't have read an article about him but that was one of my favorites what an amazing guy Ama amazing guy my other question was do people ever ask you to take stuff out afterwards? And if so, do you do it? And also, have you had people say stuff where you're like, this is too near the knuckle, we're going to take this out because otherwise they're going to get in trouble and it's going to be a shitstorm? Yeah, like your friend Matthew Healy. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, it, it does happen to us. It's usually never like an inflammatory, insane thing. It's more so like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that we're playing Coachella yet because it hasn't been announced. Or like, yeah. oh, I accidentally called this author by this name instead can you just take it out so i don't look like an idiot yeah it's more mistake, um, and I usually mistake will do driven it. mistake driven than like oh my god what did i say you know <laughs> yeah you've goaded me into laughing at a bad joke yeah yeah well we've we, we've we've the trend we see that pros that know what they can and can't laugh at they do a visual laugh so we see it, but they pull back from the microphone so we don't get any audio of that laugh. Mm -hmm. And that is, I have to respect the, the professionalism. I mean, that's that <laughs> that at least makes it fun for us. At or least sometimes we'll get like some crude sign language where we'll ask them a question that they can't answer and they'll be laughing and they'll, an you know, like, They'll say like, oh, a little bit. They'll just do a little thingy or they'll do it. Yeah. Or no. Or, we'll or use or hand classic, signals. Classic, you know, <laughs> you know, that's definitely happened before. That's definitely happened before. But no, I think people, I, I don't, I don't think people, I think because of the way that our world is right now, I think people are really, are, are thoughtful about what they say, even in this environment. Like, I think people are everyone, if you're, if you're coming on a show or you're promoting something or whatever, you're very aware of what you can and can't do, I think, mm -hmm. and maybe more more than ever in history. And I and I think that the peer to peer aspect of a podcast, where like I need the guest just as much as they need us, it it, it has like a nice communal feel to it. Versus like I'm going to go be interviewed by a newspaper or TMZ or something, where if they get a gotcha moment, they are absolutely going to run it and fuck up your life whereas if i get maddie healy saying some shit that i i'm like oh, that's not going to be good for you or for me or for anyone i'll do you a favor cut that out and didn't need to be in there i'm just using him as an example this didn't actually happen but um it's like we want to preserve that relationship and our goal is to have everybody listening like this guest as much as possible mm -hmm. not dislike because then you're like well that was stupid that sucked we want the final product to be good yeah, yeah there's a there's a gotcha there's plenty of gotcha opportunity minefields out there and this is not one of them because that's not i don't think that's fun mm -hmm. or cool we're a reverse z-way <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we're the opposite my new favorite sex move maybe that's kind of the secret <laughs> of the show because like i i confess when i you had people on that i liked which was when i first started listening like a couple of years ago and i was like my god this is so brash i don't know if i can get on with this but then the more i listen like 
I would just listen to the guests that I like. And then I started listening to all the interviews. And then I started listening to every episode. It's the one where it's just you two as well. And I think maybe that's the secret of it. Like, it seems... We break you down. We break oh, yeah, you, you down, break you down. <laughs> It seems kind of brash, but actually, like you say, it is about making people look good and everybody having a nice time. I think that's kind of like the secret thing that bubbles up when you spend a lot of time with it. Oh, that's that's great. Thank mm-hmm. you. That I mean, that's, that's kind of the idea. And I, I think they're, you know... Having fun is what it's all about. A lot of people are fluent in brash. <laughs> Laura, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. People can follow your work at The Guardian, obviously. Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. When are you coming Just back? To... When are you coming back? Might pop in next time something disastrous happens to Pitchfork, don't I? Okay. Okay. No problem. There'll be some disasters. Follow her on TikTok then? Follow you on TikTok? Yeah, we'll find you on TikTok. <laughs> Follow me nowhere. <laughs> Follow me nowhere is the is the best sign off I've ever heard. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>